boys. This is this is hefty. See the percentage on that puppy? It's only a 7.0. Yeah, that's hefty. Yeah. Especially for no lunch, no wings. No. I <laughs> haven't eaten yet today. No. <laughs> it's going to go well. Yeah. Good thing I had a pregame beer for breakfast. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we share the tools to improve your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. It Cheers, is, boys. Hey. We're in the garage, round two, second episode in the garage. Back yeah. in. Back no, in person. No YouTubes lately. Well, no. <laughs> that's like way too high tech to like set up cameras in here and capture us in real life. Especially in the summer. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. asking a lot. Yeah. Well, we'll work on that. We'll get there eventually, maybe. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I know. Just open your okay, beers. Thank Jeez. you. Guys. I'll do all the talking. Perfect. Ooh, that's okay. dark. Well, first of all, before we get to the beers, let's give a shout out to this episode's sponsor. Yeah. Uh, that is Thomas Drake, although he goes by Tom. <laughs> Do you know that his name's actually Thomas? No, I don't. <laughs> My dad's name was Thomas. So I assume if your name's Tom, you're also a Thomas, but I don't know that. Uh, anyway, thank you so much, Tom Drake. And for the majority of our listeners probably know exactly who that is. But if you don't, please head on over to maplemoney.com. Tom is a fellow Canadian, and he's been on creating money, uh, important money topics for Canadians since 2009. So he really knows his stuff. He's talked to a ton of people, and he's got a podcast too. And right. he's interviewed tons of fire people on his podcast as well. Not sure why he has invited us yet. That is curious, but isn't it? I think we've you actually know? had the discussions. It's a scheduling thing. Let's put oh, it down okay. to that. Okay. Yeah. So when he well, comes out to the island for vacation, we'll wrap him up and get him. In well, the he'll have to come for a visit for the, to the garage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, big shout out to Tom. Thanks so much for that. Make sure you check out his blog, maplemoney.com or his podcast, which you can find on all the usual places because you already listened to ours. You can just flip over and listen to his. And Sounds easy. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> all right. The beer. The beer. Somebody bought us the beer. Well, yeah, we got the the, the FI Garage is a resounding success because beer is now purchased for us. However, we might have to up the rates, boys. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how much I paid for four beers today? How much? I don't even want to know. Like, take a guess. Inflation has hit us in certain places for sure, right? It's got to be 20. Four tall cans? Okay, they're four tall cans. So they're 500 mil. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say 1850. Okay. What was your I said 20, yeah. Economist says twenty. It was twenty dollars and eighty six cents. Wow! Ooh. Yeah, we definitely have to. Like up that's our rates. that's the yeah. five bucks a beer right there. There's no yeah. profit for the FI Garage, which no. is fine. Like we're we're still getting a beer. We're, we're, we have to throw. In a the few whole cents point was there. to get beer. Yeah. <laughs> it is, but holy crap! Right? Yeah. You know, even just thinking about that, our ROI on our home brewing is starting to look way better. <laughs> it's improving. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like two hundred bucks for a batch of beer. Yeah, that would be right. Because we're brewing twenty liters. Yeah. So that's about 200 bucks. And mm-hmm. oh, you guys are looking at me like I'm doing no. math again. Well, I don't know how much you guys. I'm just, I'm ready to check you. If it's 10 bucks a liter, because this is two of these or a liter. No, exactly. Yeah. You, you got that. My math but is sound. I, I was that just is curious sound. if you were going to throw out your costs on beer. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. So depending on the batch, we're anywhere from 30 to 40 bucks. We did one as low as. Well, that's true. 20. Yes. But yeah. it turned into a sour half. <laughs> Which was not intended. <laughs> it was not. It was quite good, but not intended. But that's no. what happens when you start culturing your own yeast. <laughs> True. Yes. But, you know, our ROI is getting up there with inflation. So this beer, after that long spiel, is also but, kindly supplied right. by... Go ahead. Carrie from Money and... Go ahead. 
Money in your tea. Money in your tea. Money in yeah. your tea. Yeah. So, so yeah, go ahead. I, it makes a lot more sense. I didn't know who had bought it for us, but that we have a tea beer. Right. Carrie doesn't drink beer. Right. So so we have a we kind of combine the combine the two things. Yeah. There we go. Well, the reason we're drinking this is because on her blog, which is moneyinyourtea.com, she's a Canadian blogger, and she has buy me a chai latte button. Oh. And so, oh. I, I bought her, I went on there and bought her a bunch of chai, te- chai latte because, you know, she's got a ton of great blogs on there for Canadian fire and fi and personal finance as well. Yeah. And so, you know, she's like, oh, thanks so much. And then she's like, oh, I'll buy you a round of beers. I'm like, well, this is a win. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, so maybe I'll buy her some more lattes yeah. and we'll get another beer. But <laughs> the, the request was to find a beer with tea in it. I'm like, huh. Well, I, it wasn't her request. Oh. It was just, oh. I thought it was fitting. Wow. Yeah. You're a dick. <laughs> I thought Carrie had asked for that. I'm searching stores trying to find anything tea involved. But we did find, luckily enough, Salt Spring Island Brewing, which is a beautiful little island just north of Victoria here. Yeah, it is north. Yeah. I haven't been there for years, but I once had a girlfriend there. Anyway, moving on. This is Earl Grey IPA. I have yet to taste this, so I got yeah. to dip into this. Cheers. Look how dark that is. Holy boys. It looks like Earl Grey tea. But the thing is, they have put in... Uh, okay, well, you guys do the blurb. I need to open this thing. Okay, I got the blurb here. Happy hour meets tea time with this bergamot-infused British-style IPA. Deep copper in color with floral and citrus aromas. This robust ale has the perfect balance of hoppy bitterness and malty caramel sweetness. It's quite tasty. Does it? Um... It's fairly balanced. Caramel and... That's uh, economist speak for he doesn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't decided yet. I had to look up what bergamot was because I was curious about that. And here's here's the big trivia of the show, which Carrie probably knows this. Well, I'm going to... We should ask her. I probably know this. We should have asked her, yeah. (laughs) It's... How did I lose that? It's like one thing I was supposed to have Because you're the king of the tabs. You have nine million of them <laughs> tab, at tab, all times. Tab. Maple money, tab. Money in your tea, tab. Okay, I'll just go from memory. Bergamot is actually, it's a citrus fruit that I never heard of that is used. It's a fruit? Yeah, they, oh, use, wow. the, they use the oils of it in conjunction with the tea leaves, and it gives uh, Earl Grey tea its specific citrusy type flavor. Yeah. I don't know if it's citrusy type, but it, I'd say it's bitter. Earl Grey's Are you arguing with citrusy? me or Wikipedia? Uh... Whoever's saying it's citrusy. <laughs> I don't drink enough Earl Grey to know, but I'm going to drink this beer and then we're going to actually have a topic. The the Lady Grey tea has citrus flavor because it's bergamot and lemon, I think. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, I haven't made up my mind on this mm. yet. Yeah. That's – and this is like 7% too. This is a big beer. Yeah, it's a get, it's, get it does not taste like a 7%er though. That's true. It doesn't, it doesn't have like huge it, hops either, right? I, I kind of want some milk in my tea. <laughs> I don't know about that. A little splash of milk in there? Yeah. All right. Let's actually uh, have a show here instead of just do this all night. Mind you, we could probably just change this to talk about beer all night show as well. Maybe we just change the garage to a beer show. Yeah. Well, we're like halfway into the episode. We haven't talked about what we're talking about yet. (laughs) Well, we have to cheers to our sponsor and our our beer buying. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. classic no well at least we've had some fun because this could get a little dry because this is a topic that i've seen come up a lot of times uh, within the community in different ways 
And it directly impacts me as well, which uh, has enhanced my own curiosity of what the heck am I supposed to do? So it's it's having a corporation versus a having a sole proprietorship. It's investing inside a corporation. We're not going to go super crazy into details. The accountant is not in public practice. This is just our opinions. We're just sort of bantering ideas around here and things that you probably need to be aware of if you're considering this stuff. Well, the caveat is that if you're considering it, you need an accountant. You need right. a real accountant. Yeah. <laughs> Th- this show is entertainment purposes only. Exactly. 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 And all situations are so drastically different that there is no one size fits all in the to incorporate and to not incorporate question mark. Exactly. So, so this is relevant to people who are either, you know, running their own business, starting their own business, want to get heavily involved in the side hustle, that sort of stuff, right? Yes, because we should answer one of the questions first that I have seen before, which is, should I put money into a corporation to invest inside of a corporation? And the resounding answer to that question is no. <laughs> End of story, no. Okay. And that's because of taxes. Because of taxes, you're adding complexity. There's no advantage to having a corporation there whatsoever. Okay. So if you're thinking that you want to take a bunch of your money and put it into a corporation and invest in that corporation and the corporation doesn't have any active business income, don't do it. Now we're talking about invest in the market. In the market. Right. Yes. If not you, invest in buying active businesses or, or anything like that. Yeah, that's or your business. That's or your totally business. different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing with for, – for listeners here for this show is it's really easy to get into like – the accountant just brought up really complicated subsets of this uh, topic. Individual. Right? Yeah, exactly. So we'll try and keep it kind of on a path here where it kind of makes sense because the tangents, they're just so many. There's so many. Right. Because yeah. people are like, oh, but yeah, I want to put, you know, a million dollars in there because I want to buy real estate and I want to buy an active business. Then mm-hmm. it's like, then go talk to your accountant because we don't have no idea what you're doing and whether it makes sense or not. Yes, you exactly. Know? So yeah. let's, let's keep it simple. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about what my situation is having an active corporation and moving forward with it into my FI journey and talk about a little bit about if you've got a side hustle, yeah, uh, what should you do with that income? What's optimal for your journey to FI? Because I think one of the problems with this is the article that we're going to link here that I think has really good information for investing within a corporation is also directed towards really high income earners. Yes. So it's right. like, you know, the question I have is like, well, maybe I'm FI and I have a really low income. Do I still want to be investing in my corporation or should I be trying to pull those funds out? Like, it's just, it's too personal to even know the answers. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is every situation is so independent and unique that at that point, you're, if you have a business and you're running a business through a corporation, you need some estate planning. Even if it's an early retirement, you need to think about the tax consequences, you need to see an accountant, and you need to do some estate planning on how you're getting the money out of there tax efficiently, where your retirement funds are going to come from. It's a whole different ballgame, whole different conversation. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, let's just start off maybe at the beginning with, uh, you know, for example, somebody in the community is, has started a side hustle or a hobby's turned into a side hustle, and, and they're earning less than 30K a year. What, what's the best thing to do? Well, I just want to jump in. Yeah. Basically, the two options, if I'm not mistaken, if you're earning self-employment income, your two options are to start a corporation and earn the income through the corporation or act as a sole proprietor and report your income that way. Yeah. Is that, yeah. those are the only two options. Right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
less than 30 grand. It's just a side hustle. It's just you working on it. Sole proprietor, right? That's what I would do. Generally, generally speaking, right? That's the thing about this podcast is this, we're right. making generalizations now, to keep your own personal accounting simple. Right. Right? I, I think maybe uh, an exception might be if you're a really high earner in your day job. And you're not going to touch any of that cash. Right. Then. And maybe yeah. you want liability protection. Right. Maybe. And yeah. that's assuming that it qualifies as active business income. We should state that the whole, <laughs> the whole corporation thing centers around being a Canadian controlled private corporation that has active business income that is subject to the small business deduction, which means small businesses in Canada pay a reduced rate of tax. Right. And that's the whole key to this thing. And if you are not going to be subject to that. Then it, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. It, yeah. Yeah. I give up. It's too complicated. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> well, it's funny because I asked the accountant about this. We had our little text text our text planning session. The accountant's like, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> it's because exactly what I said. It's going to get way too complicated. <laughs> the, best, the best part, it was like 8 a.m. on his birthday. So, we like basically <laughs> ruined his whole day. You yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Thank like, you for that. I have to read a bunch of tax code and blah, blah. I said, no, no, no. We'll have a high-level discussion. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, happy belated birthday. Oh, thanks, guys. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Um, okay. So, let's just have a look at them one by one then. Okay. I want to stay a sole proprietor and I have been a sole proprietor in the past, right? right? So for me, my experience was any income that I earned from active income from the business, I filed my own taxes. It, it was fairly straightforward using a tax software to input my business income into that. And until I reached approximately 30,000, uh, I didn't need a GST number. So I didn't have to charge my customers GST, things like that. So the considerations for the person to take into account yeah. is if you, if your side hustle is going to stay relatively simple, it's relatively benign. You not, don't need to protect yourself. Not if it's going to stay. If it is, you can change these things as you go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's you do one. not need to, just because you want your side hustle to be a $250,000 a year business, does right. not need that you need to incorporate today and incur those costs. Because that's a, the one thing a lot of people overlook that go along with this. You're going to have to pay to incorporate. You're going to have to pay to do your annual filing. And at the point that you're filing a T2 corporate tax return, you should be using an accountant. You should not be doing that yourself. You will screw something up <laughs> and make a mistake. Right. And those are they're, they're Greek compared to the uh, compared the personal return. Compared right? to a personal return, a corporate return is far more complex, and you're going to pay somebody even for a simple one fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a year to file that. Yeah. Okay, let's just step back and and kind of go with what you just said there because you just told me about this before the podcast, which was super interesting. I had no clue about this, but if you start off as a sole proprietor and keep it simple for yourself, and like you said. Maybe your side hustle explodes and everybody wants like an a fire widget. Right. And right. now your business is growing beyond control and you're like, whoa, I need to build some systems. I need to incorporate this. It's getting beyond control. Just briefly sort of explain how I can go from being a sole proprietor to being incorporated without having to like start all over again. Right. So there's a thing called a Section 85 rollover, which is a tax-free rollover from a person into a corporation. And I won't get into the specifics, but there is a method to take your business and roll it on a tax-free basis into a corporation and then continue operating out of that corporation in the future. 
Okay. So it's not like, oh, I started this business and now I have to start all over again because I want to incorporate. You can roll your business into a corporation later without suffering tax consequences. Right. Okay. That seems to make a lot of sense if people in the fire community are creating side hustles or things you may not even know what turns into a business turns into a business. You're like, Oh, <laughs> right. This is much bigger than I expected. It's beyond my scope of personal income and personal taxes. Right. And maybe that's one of the things that you want to do is as a sole proprietor, you earn all that income yourself every year. Right. That could be considered a downside. Yeah. You, you're taxed on that. You're income. taxed yeah. every year where if you now have a corporation, the corporation has to pay tax on the retained earnings. Not the retained so, earnings. <laughs> you don't pay tax on retained earnings. No. <sighs> Help me out here. You pay tax on your income. Well, okay, hold on a sec. Now I'm confused. The corporation yeah. pays tax on its income? Yeah, correct. Which is the retained earnings after all expenses are paid. No. Uh, if it's year one, you would be correct, but retained earnings builds year over year. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, see, this is why we're doing this, because I don't know. <laughs> retained okay. earnings is like the bank account of the corporation, right? It's n- uh, yes and no in a sense of like it's the not the actual cash. But yeah. yeah, if you earn $100,000 in year one and you have $50,000 in expenses and you take no money out of the business, your retained earnings year one are $50,000. Right. Then the next year, if the same thing happens, the next year you would have a hundred thousand dollars of retained earnings. But you only pay. It's tax the earnings that are retained within the yeah. company. Lo and behold, <laughs> it, it's retained very, earnings. Yeah, it's very literal, right? <laughs> you know when you start doing math, I just nod. Uh, yeah, I, I right. Sorry, I assume you're right all the time, which is definitely wrong. But. <laughs> <laughs> so be it. Okay, could you call it retained income then? No, no, you just call it income. Because income assumes you've already deducted all the expenses for the operating of Like your net income for the year. You have a net income. That's what you pay tax on, right? Yeah. Okay, moving right along. Help me out here. But you you pay net income. You can control it in a corporation better. Your corporation pays tax on net income, but as a sole proprietor, you pay tax on your net income. You You pay tax on net income in both cases. Okay. But yes, the that's caveat the, yeah. the caveat being you're going if you earn it personally, you're gonna pay it at your personal marginalized tax rates. Right. The small business deduction is five hundred thousand, so up to five hundred thousand dollars in earnings in your corporation, you're only gonna pay thirteen and a half percent on. Okay, there's the key. That's the whole key to the whole if yeah. you keep money in a corporation thing. Yes. Yeah. And the other thing in my case is I can Keep those earnings in the corporation. Yes. And smooth out the cash flow to yourself. The salary to myself. Right. Right. So I have more control of my of your personal, personal income yes, with the corporation ex- existing. And the other thing you can do if you have other employment income is you can just set the money aside and pay taxes when you're fire. Right. Not, or in a you know later year times. off or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I think the key here though is is what the accountant already said is if you have or if you form a corporation with active income, that's fine. But don't think just because you've run out of RSP room and TFSA room that you want to stick like 100K of your non-registered into a corp and then now you can that, control That's that. never going to be the right answer. Terrible idea. Yeah. Let's just get that out of the way right or not. Yeah. Terrible idea. Okay. So back to the active income side of it. If I have 
say somebody has a corporation or they decide to start one and now they're operating it and it's earning active income and maybe I'm going to be FI in five years. But in the next five years, I'm earning money within that corporation and I'm able to basically decide whether I want salary or dividends from there so I can smooth my cash flow, I can work my personal taxes. Uh, I'm I'm employing an accountant to do my taxes properly and make sure it's all done. So there's, there's some cost involved in running this corp. Of course. But I'm leaving some money sit in there. Right. What should I do with it? Now, that money that is sitting in there and has only been taxed at the lower rate or, right. I mean, if you're doing really well and you're making more than the small business deduction limit, good for you. Yeah. And you're going to be talking to somebody a lot smarter than me that's yeah. going to be helping you out with the whole estate planning thing. Yeah. But in that case, then yes, that money is fine to invest within your corporation. Okay. But any- I, I inc- mean, the alternative is not investing it and having inflation erode it. Well, that's right. the problem, right? Or or taking it out and having to pay all the tax on right. it up front. Now, if you invest that money that is tax deferred, keep keep in mind this is a tax deferral. Okay. It's not a I didn't have to pay the tax. It's I haven't paid the tax yet. Right. Money. Okay. Yeah. So all that money that's still locked in the corporation but has only had the smaller level of tax rate, you can invest that, but any earnings from that are going to be taxed at the highest marginal rate. Right. So in BC, you're talking 50.7% on anything that you're earning. I think this is where you introduced that article. That I you think have so open too. In your yeah. <laughs> so if you've got to this point in the podcast and you're still with us, well done. <laughs> but yeah, I think one of the, and I'd be happy to hear from some listeners out there if you've got some other resources, because this is not the easiest topic to find a lot of information on. And it's not discussed a lot by a, by many of the blogs or podcasters, because right. it's a pretty unique scenario to be in, right? Is to have money in a corp and wanting to be investing it and then smoothing out that income to yourself, right? Yeah. Well, and a lot of the reason you don't see a lot of, on it is that tax rates change yeah. all the time, right. right? So it's not always consistent and it's not always the way it goes. Yeah. So it's something to consider. And not only do rates, but rules change too. Rules right? change too. Yeah. And then, so this is another key, key factor in all of this is if you're making $50,000 a year in small business income, active income in your corporation, you can erode the small business limit by having too much passive income in the corporation. So you can, if you have a million dollars of passive income and $50,000 of active income, you're not getting the small business deduction. You're paying a whack ton of tax. You're going to end up paying like it's so tax in advantage that it's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's something to be careful about. Like you can keep money in there, but again, this is where for your own situation, if you are running an active business through a corp and you start investing in it, you need to go talk to somebody and you need to review it every year right. yeah. and see what's going on and see what your tax situation is. Yeah. yeah. No, that's excellent. We'll call that advice because that is good advice. <laughs> go talk to a professional. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the advice is go talk to a professional. So the anyway, the best resource that I've come across is by the Looney Doctor, who, by the way, you haven't bought us a beer yet, Looney Doctor. Should be like the Looney Doctor <laughs> sponsored episode. <laughs> Don't go visit the Looney Doctor. Go visit Tom Drake and That's carry it. money in your tea. But the Looney Doctor has an extra article. <laughs> uh, it's looneydoctor.ca. And I think it's a, it's good that he wrote this because my very basic understanding of medical doctors is that they are basically 
have to have their own medical corporations or their own corporations, right? So they're the ones that fall into this of like, oh my goodness, I got a ton of money in a corporation and I'm pulling some out. And, you know, we're friends with Fringe Doc that's in Alberta and he's in that situation too, where he's got a corporation that he's using to invest. And so not just to doctors, but also for other people with active corporation income. Yeah. yeah. But he's got a great article here and I definitely encourage you as a listener, if this is something that you're interested in, is go and this gives you kind of like a high level. And one of the things I really liked about it, I sent this to you guys a couple of days ago, is that he does some really good sort of uh, flowchart graphics. Yep. Because you can get really lost in the the nomenclature of minutia. like minutia of like what are four notional accounts? Right. Economists, tell me about the four notional <laughs> accounts yeah. of a corporate investing. And I'm like, wait a minute, they don't even exist. They're <laughs> yeah. just notional. <laughs> I am not an accountant. <laughs> See, and this again, this whole conversation will go back to one of my favorite sayings of do not let the tax tail wag the dog. The reason that people set up corporations almost all of the time has nothing to do with tax. Right. right. Absolutely nothing to do with tax. Mm-hmm. It, it has to do with liability and asset protection. Right. And that's why corporations are set up. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that before we move on. So a very common structure in a successful small business will be to have an operating company, a holding company that owns the shares of the operating company, and the person who owns that company owning the shares of the holding company. And the reason you do that is when there is money sitting around in the operating company, you can flow it up tax-free to the holding company. And then when the operating company gets sued for everything they're worth, (laughs) the money is still sitting in the holding company. So you could lose your opco, but you're not going to lose everything in your holding company and you personally. Whereas when you're operating as a sole proprietor, when you get sued for everything you're worth, well, you've lost everything you're worth. I guess if you owned a company, they couldn't only sue the company, not you personally. So there are cases where if they can prove that there's been director fraud or if you personally running the company have been negligent, they can get through the protection layers that are there. Right. Obviously, there's cases where that can happen. But that is the general – it's a limited liability, right? Right. Like in the States, they have a bunch of LLCs. Yes. We have a different corporate structure up here, but LLC is limited liability. That's what the LL stands for. Yeah. And that's what your goal is a lot of the times in incorporating is I own a business and, uh, you know, we give nose piercings, but one of my employees pierced straight through some guy's brain. (laughs) I would lose all of everything I had ever made. Yeah. 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 In that lawsuit settlement, if it wasn't isolated in the corporation yeah they could come take my house yeah i think that's really important to understand too is that's like you said it's nothing to do with the taxes or the investments or anything else it's like if i'm painting portraits for people pretty small chance my paintbrush is going to come out of my hand and pierce somebody's brain like the piercer would (laughs) limited liability Nah, maybe I'm going to make 25 grand a year painting. Probably not a big deal. Risk level's a lot lower yeah, on that. Yeah. But if I've got like a trampoline park for kids <laughs> in my backyard, I might want some liability protection there. And that's the other... Which actually sounds like a fun side hustle, actually. <laughs> it does. It does. That does sound <laughs> yeah. fun. With a Velcro wall. I've always wanted go. to throw a kid into a Velcro wall. It would be one of my family members, by the way. <laughs> oh, I thought that was one of the things you were selling. <laughs> the throw. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's a very good, that's a very important point. That's why I have a corporation, 
mainly is for that liability, that, yeah. that separation between my personal assets and my business assets. Yeah. So I think that's, that's great to point out. And, and that's why a lot of the medical professionals, I don't know if that's why they have it, but that's part of the big. Uh, it's a lot to do with it. Yeah. yeah the big thing about it, right? You used so, to be able to income split. They took that away from you. Right. So, okay. So now let's sort of talk about the assumption that you already have a corporation. Yeah. It's earning active income. You're not taking all of that income out of the company to pay yourself. And we won't go down the whole rabbit hole of how you pay yourself out of a corporation because you can salary yourself and you got to pay CPP and so does the company and, or you can dividend yourself and that gets into some minutia as well. Right. Yeah. But basically let's just say if you have a corporation, you and your accountant can decide the most effective Efficient way, way to get the money out of the corporation, out of the corporation to you. Right. So that's fine. The money's in the corporation. I've been incorporated for 10 years and now I've got a hundred thousand dollars sitting in my corporation. What am I going to do with it? Like the economist said, it's just burning away to inflation. What's the point of it being in there? What do I do? You invest it the same as you would with anything. Because oh. you, you can't let the tax tailwind wag the dog. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, yeah. you could see, I try and like lob balls to you guys. So you're like, ah, oh, I could just crush this one. <laughs> okay. So yes, this is what you do with it. You invest it. So even if you're paying 80% tax. You're still making 20%. I mean, I know you're never paying 80% tax, no. but... Okay, fine. But just let yeah. me tell the story then. Okay, go ahead. You got a story? <laughs> I didn't know you had a story. No, no. It's, I just, I'm going through this right now. So, yeah. that's why it's current in my mind. And yeah, I've, I've spoken with a few other people that are in a similar type situation. Wait, you've had money in your corporation that you haven't invested? You've just let inflation eat away at? I am bearing my soul. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, because I'm like, I don't know, it's a little more complicated than just having personal investments. And I will have to admit, and this may make me a hypocrite in a way. Okay. Because I don't have an emergency fund. Right. But if you have a corporation with cash in it, then that's, that's pretty a, much yeah, a freaking That's an emergency fund. fund. Yeah. That's right an there. emergency yeah. fund, right? Yeah, so definitely. It's not an emergency fund, but it's yeah. definitely an emergency fund. Yeah. But the point is, is I totally, like, I why didn't I invest that? Right. Because I didn't understand that all, all the tax consequences and everything. Have your else. corporation open up a you can open up a account. corporate Quest Trade account if you want. Thank these you. exist. Yeah. I I'm signing the paperwork recently, <laughs> and and yeah, okay. So for people that are corps or or are going to roll into a corp eventually, right? It's as easy as filling out the paperwork to whomever, Quest whatever Trade brokerage or, you want to use, whatever yeah. brokerage. We're not here promoting brokerages, right? Like whatever one you want to use. And interact brokers. Yeah, by far the best brokers. Are we, are we getting paid by them yet? Uh, I would love for them to sponsor us because they're the best. Uh, it's going to cost more than 25 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, so basically you fill out your paperwork. Now, here's a question for you. It's that next level of complexity that now I've got like a corporate trading account. I've got an RSP, I've got a TFSA, and i got a margin account. I'm like, huh, what the heck do I hold in a corporate account? That right. The Horizons Fund that doesn't pay anything, right? Isn't that what you hold? The swap ones? Yeah. That don't pay anything? Well, okay. And this is where I think we need to get a little complicated. So if you've made it this far. Well, I'm just going off the article I read. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. If people have made it this far, they want to know a little bit more. Right. So the article says, "Do you want to just talk about the beer and then people can like sign off?" If they're like, <laughs> I don't want to know about tax efficiency in a corporation. <laughs> the beer, I still, it, I still don't not, know. You're not going to drink twelve of them. No, at seven percent. This is uh, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I, if my, when my grandma was around, she always offered me a cup of tea and I'd be like, but grandma, do you have an Earl Grey IPA? And if she said yes, <laughs> I'd be having the IPA for sure. Yeah. That didn't happen. <laughs> no, not even <laughs> once. It's, it's thick and it's British and I don't mind it. I think it's one of those ones that it puts us a little bit outside of our boundary of what we like. Yeah. Uh, you made a great comment on one of the other shows. Is like, there's no such thing as a bad beer. No, <laughs> except that... Uh, the star. Don't the bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are terrible. It was bad. That raspberry wheat was bad. <laughs> yeah, but this, you know... It's it's good. It's just... Yeah. It's dark. Like, the dark and coppery I, is this how would, it tastes. It would change your mind if this was a cold winter's day. It's I agree. Probably. It's July, and it's hot. This could be like a, let's go sit on the deck. It's snowy and cold outside, but it's kind of sunny type thing. Yeah. Like, oh, it's yeah, that could be nice. Some, it's like the yeah. 7% warming value to it. Yes, precisely. Yeah. All right. Well, if you're bored, you can leave. Now we're going to talk about tax efficiency in a corporate investing account. <laughs> <laughs> the account just like rolled his eyes and then, uh, I should have called in sick for this episode. <laughs> I already have to do this shit all day. <laughs> <laughs> I left work. Why am I back at it? Right. That's why we're doing the podcast so you can share with everybody across Canada. Uh, okay. What do you want to know? So, as we mentioned earlier, the Looney Doctor's article is good because it does break this down into fairly, like, you and I read it, Economist. Yep. And we don't know half of what the accountant knows from right. that point of view. Yep. And it made a lot of sense. Right. And I think his takeaway was invest in things that will eventually pay you capital gains, but don't trigger the capital gains. Sounds a lot like a margin account to me, right? Right. Yeah. But did you get the point where Canadian eligible dividends also a good deal are also efficient? Refundable yeah. dividend tax on hand. Pardon? RDTOH refundable dividend tax on hand within the corporation. How's that work? Uh, Tr triggers refundable tax within the corporation when you pay out an eligible dividend to yourself, thereby skipping the corporate tax level and creating it to you personally. And do you have to do that in the year the dividend was earned? No. Okay. It builds up in the corporation. Please so. get yourself a professional account. Because <laughs> <laughs> this gets real complex. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, so there, w the eligible dividends are just as good as any other thing to invest in? They're not entirely efficient. So I think I've talked about this on the show before that the point of the Canadian tax system is that we have a thing called integration and you're supposed to be, a dollar is supposed to be taxed the same whether it's earned in a corporation or earned personally. Yeah. So there's a bunch of flow through credits and a bunch of different things that are supposed to make that happen. Right. That's what your refundable dividend tax is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Now it's not a completely efficient system. Right. So there are differences in those tax rates depending on where your personal tax level is and your corporate tax, and it gets very complicated sure. again. Yeah. And that kind of leads into like if you're somebody that owns dividend stocks and you're like, woohoo, I can earn dividends and get paid dividends and pay no tax if I have no other income, it's because the tax has been paid in a corp before that. Yeah. Without getting too complicated. Without getting yeah. too yeah, complicated. The, the, yes, exactly. The it, company you own pays taxes. They, they, they fall under the same rules. Yeah. They're obviously, you know, TD isn't getting a small business deduction. <laughs> well, I mean, compared <laughs> to Amazon, not, maybe they're they are. They're not CCPCs. <laughs> yeah. So there's, yeah, there's yeah. a whole nother. 
yeah, you really have to read the article if this is something that we're speaking to. If you're yeah. like, oh, I need to learn more about this or I have questions about this, read the article and then like definitely talk to a professional accountant. And, but, but I think basically the idea is treat it somewhat like a margin account. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I read it too. Yeah. Right. Like treat it as if it was a Canadian margin account. And the problem too is like reading the article and stuff. It's like you can get really lost in trying to have the tax tail wag your account. But you need to take a really holistic view of all your holdings and go like, okay, just because I'm like perfectly allocated on all my other accounts, in my corp, I'm just going to be Canadian blue chip dividend stocks because dividend flow through is the most you know, efficient for tax purposes. Mm-hmm. It may totally skew your overall allocation. I wouldn't hold your corporation in like a holistic view of your portfolio, like a corporate You want to hold that totally separate? A corporate asset that's over here and you're running a business and has money in it is a different part of your drawdown than your TFSA, your non-registered, your other accounts, maybe your rental property. Like that, that's an entirely different asset class over here, right? That's you, you own that investment that is that corporation. And especially if it's a corporation that you can sell when you retire. And you're going to get a big chunk of cash and it's going to be sitting over there in your corporation. That's that's when you really need to start doing some. And yeah. I don't care how old you are. Like that's a lot of what I used to do was that's your estate planning. Like what are we doing with that money that's all tied up over here in the corporation? How does it tie into your other asset bases? How are we going to start accessing all these funds efficiently? I don't know if I agree. Because um, if you have a personal account worth 300 and a corporate investment account worth uh, 300 as well and your personal account is you've um, split out how you want it between US stocks international and Canadian and your corporate account is all Canadian well should you really be holding any Canadian in your in your personal account? I understand what you're saying, but at that point, you also need to start looking at when you're going to be accessing funds from where and what those tax consequences are going to be. And what is $300,000 in a corp isn't $300,000 because there are deferred taxes that have not been paid it, on that money. Exactly. So it's kind of like allocating between TFSA margin and RRSP. In a sense, but it all like, again, I'm, if it's just you're at the point where the money is just sitting in that account, then yes, it is a little bit more. But if there's some money sitting in an account and there's business assets that can be sold, it's a whole nother question of what you're going to do to revamp everything to get to a point. I agree to where you're going to retire with that. But if your investment corp account is worth 300, it, it does impact your other holdings. Okay. I'm going to jump in here for a sec. And, this was also something I learned right before the episode, right? And it sounds to me like you guys are talking almost like two separate parts of what a, what the corp is, right? It's like the accountant saying it's still an active corp and the economist is saying now it's a holding co. And I was like, well, a holding co is a holding co and a corporation is a corporation. And it's like the accountant you told me is like, no, they're exactly the same. They have the exact same right. structure. It's just, yeah. and But it does impact – taxes when it comes to investments if the company is no longer making active income. Am I correct on that? That's Yeah. Okay. So are you saying that the economist, you're saying that once it becomes a investment only corporation? Not necessarily. I was just saying okay. if the investment account was significant, 
okay. than what you hold in it, you should probably consider it. And why, you hold why wouldn't you just have like a global asset fund in there then? Because of tax, tax efficiencies. So, yeah. so now this is where this might be getting too complex, but yeah. here's where. Don't worry. It's 42 minutes in. People are asleep. Oh, per- everyone's <laughs> asleep. Perfect. <laughs> So we're just we're having the FI garage. This is what we do. Yeah. So now let's say we have corporation over here. You got five hundred thousand dollars in your other accounts, and you got five hundred thousand dollars sitting in corporation yeah. investment account, and it's invested. Yeah, and you're no longer running an active business, right? And you're quote unquote retired. Yeah, but now you start pulling a salary or dividends or whatever tax you've yeah. decided to pull. But if you want to be efficient with it, well, I can pull it. $20,000 a year salary out of that corporation and pay almost no tax. So who cares what the investments are in it? Because if they make $20,000, I got $20,000 of income. Mm-hmm. And then I pull a $20,000 sa- salary out of the corp. The corp has $0. It pays $0 in tax and all of it flows to me personally. Right. So this is where that is a very different asset mm-hmm. because you can control how the income flows to you personally and you can control what the expenses are in that corporation through giving yourself a salary and causing the corporation to have no income. Right. Okay. So then this begs the question of my personal situation where you said last week, it was like, don't invest in the corporation. It's super tax inefficient. And I'm like, but I thought if I leave money in there and it, grows as an you hadn't given me the full story as per the normal thing of why i get mad at you guys because you asked me a question without giving me enough detailed information to make an educated answer might be a listening problem (laughs) (laughs) it's not comprehension you understand no so okay well i think what you're saying is really what we need to sort of summarize with here for the, the FIRE community, the FI community, is if you've had an active business, if you've had a small business, if you started a side hustle, if you've rolled it into a corp after being a sole proprietor, the goal to be incorporated is not the goal. I'm doing it – do it for the right reasons. Yes. Not for the taxes or the financial reasons, but for the business reasons. But if that's the case that you're in, then from what I just listened to the exchange with you guys, down the road, if I leave – some money in there that's invested, then I will be able to smooth my cash flow. I will be able to draw from that company and make optimized decisions with my taxes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's an advantage. Now it's an advantage to invest in my corporation. If for you in that scenario, <laughs> yes, it would be. But that, how did you get there? That's right? that's the big question, right? Is it? So many people are just, oh, well, I'm going to have a corporation with a bunch of assets in it and I'm going to invest in it. And right. that's not the right answer. You want you want the money that's invested in a corporation to have come from you running a business. Yes. If you've well, never agreed. run a business, ignore this entire episode. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. This doesn't pertain to you. Yeah. You'll never have a corporation. Well, but, it, but this is important, though, because a lot of people have had a nine to five and they want to pivot. Part of their plans to financial independence or fire is, you know what? I'm done nine to five. Mm-hmm. I've got contacts. I want to pivot. I want to do something different. I'm going to create a business for the next 10, 15 years because it's my passion project because it's something I want to do. And this is that question, that burning question for them is like, am I a sole proprietor? Am I incorporated? How do I deal with that? Well, and that's the whole thing of li- liability aside is 
if you don't know if you're going to be successful yet, don't incorporate yet. Why not? Because if it's you a lot spend all the front. money to incorporate and you spend the money to file tax returns and then your company loses $3,000, that $3,000 is sitting in the corp as a loss, not right. on your personal tax return. Where you would have reduced your and tax. And now rate. you've just added extra costs and extra complexity to your life that you did not need yet. Right. I think one of the biggest takeaways for here, and I wish I'd known that before, is that you can roll a sole proprietor through the right paperwork with accountants and everything, lawyers and everything else into a corp for like not. So just correct me if I'm wrong here for basically no additional cost than setting up the corp in the first place. And you'll pay the section 85 rollover cost, which is like a couple hundred bucks probably as all government paperwork or whatever. no, it's Less not going to be a couple hundred bucks. It's going to be more than that. What it is. Okay. A couple thousand. Probably. Okay. Okay. So like there is some cost to roll into a corp, but say you ran your, sole proprietorship for five years, you've just saved five years of filing fees, yeah, of annual filing yeah, fees. Everything else, so yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, no, I think this has been a valuable discussion because the opportunity for a lot of people is to leave their jobs, to create another business, to be, take on, like build that side hustle bigger, do that things. And they're not sure how to take that, that next level type stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And we're all pretty good at our TFSAs, RSPs and our personal finance, but you have proven once again, how complicated the accounting and tax side of it is. And that's... And this... Go ahead. I was going to say, it's a whole nother game if you own an active business corp and you're going to retire. It's a whole different level of plan. It's not drawdown strategies that we talk about. It's not act like... It's a whole nother ball game. It's not going to be a big cost to go talk to somebody and see what is going to be the most efficient to get the money where and how you're going to get the money that you actually need to spend and live off of into your pocket. Right. And if you're listening in the States, ignore this whole episode too. Because <laughs> it's completely <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. We have it's people way, in the States. I think it's way better down there. Oh, it's so much easier. Tax rates down there literally don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> some states, zero. Some, zero. Sta- some states are zero and there's a lot of cases where you can just get, you can make a few hundred thousand dollars a year and just no. end up with zero taxes owing federally. That's not bad. Wasn't that, wasn't that the economist's like mini state that he bought from Nevada to have his own state? Oh, his <laughs> NFT state? His NFT yeah. state. <laughs> what was it? It was crypto state. Crypto state. Crypto state. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I think if nothing else, this has encouraged me to keep going on my path with finishing my quest rate application to have my corporate trading account and I don't know what I'm going to hold in there. I agree with The Economist. I was going to just hold like a – I don't know if I'll go with the swap funds from there. I think I'll probably just go with something very simple, all equity. Um, we didn't get into the minutia of like does it pay dividends? What are the mm-hmm. – you know, the full and, – and the capital gains are the most efficient. The thing is I'm probably not going to be pulling much from it. It's kind of like more of a long-term play anyway. But I think it's the way I'm going to move forward because, like you said, there's no point keeping an emergency fund in a corporate account and have it being in cash getting eaten away by inflation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. One Good. thing I thought of was just comparing uh, dividends to capital gains. If you have the, if you have a high income company like pushing up against the the ceiling of the small, what is it? Small business deduction. Right. The dividends will eat into that 
deduction, right? Whereas the if you don't incur capital gains, you'll you'll get away with a little, having the higher. Totally, but this whole conversation—if you're making five hundred thousand dollars yes. a year—don't don't talk to us. Right? You you, you already have an <laughs> Why account. Why aren't you fire way more, yet? Yeah. <laughs> what you're making five hundred thousand dollars a year in your corporation, and you're listening to us? Yeah. Come buy on, us, buy us around a beer. Get her yeah. done. <laughs> she <Yeah. asked. laughs> Well, yeah, it's actually interesting. Is this conversation probably is actually fairly pertinent for some of the higher level bloggers and podcasters that are out there in our space? Mm. Right? Because they're probably starting to go, hey, I'm starting to roll in some income with this quote-unquote side hustle. Right. Should I incorporate maplemoney.com or should I incorporate my own advisor? Should I incorporate like… Money in your tea. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Should I incorporate money in your tea? Or like, you know, most of us are going to run this as a where we run this as a partnership right yeah which is a sole proprietorship which is a, which is in, a, in all yeah yeah but when we go big time boys corporations for everyone <laughs> no <laughs> i am not filing your guys corporate tax returns <laughs> that's what he says now <laughs> anyway well that was better than i expected it to be considering the tea beer request i thought it was going to be awful for this evening but yeah this is better it's good. It's good. Well, the seven percent made us all jolly. It did. It did. I my my glass here is a beacon bitter, and I feel oh, I feel this is that quite worked out well. You had an English beer glass for your beer that yeah. we yeah. imported, and especially. it was bitter. Yeah, there you go. Well. Again, huge shout out to Tom Drake at MapleMoney.com. Check out his blog and his podcast for his fire content, and also for the lovely Earl Grey IPA. I might have to put this in a beer tube now and send it to Carrie. And she can <laughs> hand it off to somebody, even though she drinks tea. But Carrie, money in your tea. Thank you so much for the round of beers. You should get her one of these. Hmm? You should send her one of these. Hey, they come in four packs. I got one for the beer tube. There, there you go. go. <laughs> All right, boys. Good talk. Account, thanks so much. Your knowledge is much appreciated. It helps uh, keep us thinking and learning. <laughs> I didn't even yell at you. And you're, and you're entertaining I'm for dis- those purposes. <laughs> we did not rile him up enough. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> right on. Catch you next time on the Epic Rush. Good night. Farewell. <laughs>